Welcome to Trinity on Tap, The New Testament, a podcast series brought to you by Trinity College Queensland, presented by Dr. John Frederick. Well, hey, this is 1.1. What is the New Testament? Why should I trust the New Testament? It's an ancient book written by barbaric cavemen who didn't even know about science and who were extremely unsophisticated, unlike myself. Have you ever heard somebody, some random tough guy or tough gal, offer up a slice of theological wonder like that? You know, from a theological perspective, it almost doesn't warrant a response. I'm half tempted to just scream aloud in frustration like a despondent Wookiee who's just had his hairy heart broken in some sort of romantic love affair of intergalactic proportions. People tend to be proud of themselves, though, and quite sure of themselves when pontificating about how dumb the Bible is and how dumb I am for believing it. Often the response is a bit more astute than the caveman claim, but usually equally obnoxious and self-assured. For some reason, and I have no idea why, for some reason, people have it in their head that Constantine, the emperor who famously converted the Roman Empire to Christianity, Constantine is the source of every problem we have with the New Testament. You can't trust the New Testament, they say. Why, you might ask, with a spirit of genuine inquiry. Because Constantine, they say. And you know, I try to give these folks the benefit of the doubt. Perhaps they've done some serious intellectual study about Constantine. But you know, the majority of the time you quickly find out Ain't none of these dudes been rocking Constantine's greatest hits in their spare time. Most of them have never even read any actual literature about the guy. They've like, you know, read Wikipedia or some random thread on Reddit written by a grouchy 30-year-old who walks around in his slippers all day eating ramen noodles, playing Magic the Gathering while he lives in his mother's basement. But alas, reasonable people read this sort of stuff and they become totally anti-Bible because Constantine. Constantine changed the Bible. And because of Constantine, we don't have awesome extra gospels like the Gospel of Thomas. Or Jesus Christ was actually married with children. And because of Constantine, this has been hidden from the general public. Have you heard that one? These brood of vipers, or should I say brood of the blogosphere, will even blame things on Constantine that Constantine could never have been responsible for. It was Constantine that broke up the Beatles, not Yoko Ono. Fun fact on that one, it was actually both. That traffic camera that got me a $300 speeding ticket on the way to the Gold Coast, who is responsible? Well, laws relate to government and government goes back to empires and empires go back to Constantine. Who stole the last cookie from the cookie jar, clearly? There can be only one culprit, Constantine. The dog did not eat my homework, Constantine did. Who crashed a UFO at Area 51 in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947? Constantine. Okay, come on, how can we expect Constantine to properly operate a flying saucer? Anyway, I mean, he's merely a man, not a Martian. Here's a guy who eats people's homework and steals solitary biscuits. Can we really trust him to fly a UFO whilst simultaneously circumnavigating the space-time continuum? Okay, 
Well, maybe this is a bit excessive, but we've all heard about, thought about, and wondered about the New Testament. Am I, as a Christian, incredibly naive for taking the New Testament to be an accurate source on the life and teachings of Jesus Christ? What about oral tradition? Didn't the New Testament come together like a game of telephone over a really long period of time, with the final product looking nothing like the original message? What about all those mistakes I hear about in the New Testament? The ones I hear about every Easter when news magazines publish all their juicy hit pieces on the Bible, complete with the big headlines. What is the New Testament? What is in the New Testament? And how do you interpret this ancient text? In this segment of Trinity on Tap, New Testament, we'll be asking all these questions and more. And what we'll find is that in terms of manuscripts, and historical evidence, the New Testament is the most reliable document in all of antiquity. Now, this is widely known, but you'd never know it. You'd almost expect the opposite, given the way the Bible is perceived and talked about in popular culture. And yet, the claim that the New Testament is more reliable than any other ancient document, religious or otherwise, is not a piece of religious propaganda. It is a result of raw data, real history. This might come as a big surprise to both the Bible was written by cavemen camp and the Constantine conspiracy theorists. We have, and this is a fact, we have over 5,800 ancient manuscripts of the New Testament in Greek. And over 2,000 of these manuscripts are of the gospels, which tell us about the teachings and life of Jesus Christ. So, who cares? Why does it matter that we have so many copies of the New Testament? Well, what basically happens with ancient documents is that when we compare the manuscripts that we do have, we note down any changes or differences between them, and then we can tell with great certainty what the original said. The more manuscripts, the earlier the manuscripts, the more certainty we can have that what we are reading is the same as the very original manuscript. Now, based on the volumes of early manuscript evidence that we currently have, and hear this well, it is a fact that we can tell with 97 to 99% certainty that the New Testament that we read today contains the very words written by the apostles and the authors of the Gospels themselves. 99% certainty. That might even be enough to make Constantine conspirators swear off Wikipedia forever. 99% certainty. Let's be clear. We have that level of manuscript certainty for zero other ancient documents. Zero. And so if we're going to cancel the New Testament because of historical conspiracies, let's at least be thorough and consistent. Let's just cancel history entirely because there is no other work of antiquity that even comes close to the New Testament, including any of the sources that tell us about Constantine. So let's cancel Constantine then. I can hear at once the naysayers weeping at the thought and the Beatles reforming. Strawberry fields forever. According to the leading manuscript scholar, Dr. Daniel Wallace, the average manuscripts of the documents from antiquity outside of the New Testament 
come at an average of 500 years from the original writings. Think of, say, Homer's Iliad or the Odyssey, really well-known stuff, really popular stuff, stuff like that. 500 years are the earliest manuscripts of the copies that we have. But with the New Testament, the manuscripts are mere decades from the original. So that is a huge difference. Couple that with the fact that oral tradition in antiquity did not function like a schoolyard game of telephone with, you know, the message being altered with each transmission. And the reliability of the New Testament as a source becomes even stronger once we acknowledge this. In an oral culture, study after study shows that if someone tried to change the message, say, the ancient community would immediately correct the deviation. Vast deviations and big additions to a tradition were simply not permitted. In that type of a culture, improvising like this would destroy the ability to meaningfully communicate at all. Written copies were expensive, hard to come by, and in many cases, extremely difficult to transport. And so, oral tradition played a really central role in how people communicated back then. And contrary to popular opinion, oral tradition was robust. It was regulated. It was highly regular. But still, the observant student might say, 99% is great. But what about that 1%? It's a good question. It's definitely worth asking. That 1% of uncertainty, I bet that is on those really important issues of Christian theology, like, you know, the virgin birth of Jesus or the resurrection. However, you might be surprised to know that 1% of uncertainty that we do have is not some nefarious hidden secret. It's open knowledge. Leading experts in the gospel, such as Craig Blomberg, rightly argue that no doctrine of the Christian faith hangs on any disputed text that we have. Further, Blomberg, in his book, Jesus and the Gospels, which, by the way, is a book that I highly recommend you check out. You could just Google Jesus and the Gospels by Craig Blomberg. In that book, he reveals that all of the texts that fall in that 1% are easy to come by and well-known, and he shows you them. And so I'll show you some of them right now just to be on the level with you all. These are the texts about which we do not have 100% certainty, the 1%, that is. And, and just to note that all contemporary Bible translations already note these textual uncertainties in the footnotes. All you have to do is open them and look, and they're there. It's not hidden. It's not a conspiracy, right? I'll give you some of these. First, Matthew 6, 13. The addition of, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever, the addition of that to the Lord's Prayer was very common in the early liturgies of the church, but it's not clear to us that that was an original piece of the prayer in the original scriptures. Another one is Luke 22, 43 to 44. It's unclear whether the tradition about Jesus sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane is original. Likewise, in John 5, 3 through 4, some early manuscripts do not have the angels stirring up water in the pool before a healing occurs. And, as is well known, the long ending of Mark, chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, is missing from the oldest copies of the New Testament, Codex Vaticanus and Codex Sinaiticus. 
Lastly, the oldest copies of John 7, 53 through 8, verse 11, do not contain the encounter with the woman caught in adultery. None of this suggests that these verses are definitely not original. They just honestly show the verses, the 1%, if you will, about which we're not entirely sure. None of these, none of these, challenge any of the core claims of the Christian faith. I can conceive, possibly, of some weird objection, but I love angels with sticks, especially angels with sticks who stir water in pools. Without those angels with sticks, I cannot worship God, nor can I ever enjoy a pool again. I'll probably never go swimming again either. Why should I? What good is it if there's no chance that I could possibly see an angel with the stick? How could I possibly enjoy a refreshing swim, sand stick-wielding stir-crazy angel? Stunningly, amazingly, thankfully, the New Testament is the most reliable text that we have from antiquity. And it has a manuscript tradition that is completely trustworthy in every way, yet this only gets us so far. You see, it leaves us with an incredibly reliable text that tells from a human perspective an incredibly unbelievable story. As it is with the foolishness of the cross, so too it is with the ridiculousness of the resurrection and the irrationality of the incarnation and the inconceivable claim of the immaculate conception of Christ. History, even history in the Bible itself, leads us to correct theological claims. But it doesn't by itself cause those claims to have converting or convincing power. This is because Salvation is not the result of a logical deduction of rational claims from a reasonable text by human beings. Rather, salvation, the knowledge of God, these are supernatural, spiritual gifts of God that are given to us through the Holy Spirit. And you can see that in texts like Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. You see, the Spirit causes us to believe the Spirit causes us to be reborn, John 3, 3 through 8, and also 1 Peter 1, verse 3. The Spirit causes us to see reality not through the lens of mere human reason and conventional or contemporary wisdom, but to see reality through reason as it is illuminated by the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. You know, as we conclude this First Trinity on Tap lecture, I want to ask, have you ever read through a New Testament book straight through? Have you ever felt the presence of God through hearing or reading scripture? My challenge to you this week is to read the Gospel of John, the whole thing, over the course of this week. Read it expecting not only to hear about Jesus, but expecting to meet Jesus himself by the Spirit. Today we've asked, what is the New Testament? Join us next time as together we ask, what is in the New Testament? Catch you then. This podcast was brought to you by Trinity College Queensland. Honest answers to tough questions. Visit trinity.qld.edu.au to learn more.